Would you like to give a shout out to your dad for my new show? Yeah, I'd love to. Hey, dad, keep flying high. Love ya. G'day, dad. G'day to my old man. G'day, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Who is in heaven? Hi, dad. Do you want to say hi to your dad? Hi, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Thanks for everything, dad. Hi, dad. Hello, pop. Happy birthday, dad. Hi, dad. How's it going, dad? Thanks, dad. Hello, papa. Oi, Javi, old bastard. Hey, dad. Hello, dad. Uh, I hope you're well. Uh, I, I love you. Hey, dad. Hey, dad. Hi, dad. Where the hell are you? G'day, dad. Hey, dad. Did you know the humble drinking fountain found in parks and schools across the country was invented by Halsey Taylor. The inspiration for this invention? A tribute to his father who contracted typhoid disease from drinking out of a contaminated public water supply. The squirting fountain was commercially manufactured back in 1896 and it is now 7.30pm on September the 20th in 2017 and you are listening to Farter Figures on Sin Nation. From that weird father fact and my intro in which lots of dads get a shout out, some smart cookies or regular listeners might have worked it out. Yes, Farter Figures is a show all about dads. I'm Victor and thanks for tuning in. It's going to be another eye-opening, or should I say ear-opening, hour as we investigate some dad matter. Each week on the program there is a particular theme, and I just can't wait for tonight's. In Australia, we are currently having a same-sex marriage plebiscite. The public can vote on whether they believe all Australians should have the right to get married, no matter what their sexual orientation is. So I thought it would be great for this evening's show to focus on gay dads. I speak to Deborah Dempsey from Swinburne University about her research into same-sex families. I chat to two gay dads, Hayden, a young foster dad who is also single and gay, along with Biff Chaplow from America who is a gay adoptive dad and his partner, a transgender man, recently gave birth to a child of their own. Some pretty inspirational, thought-provoking and captivating dads tonight. Finally, I interview Sally Goldner, who is the head of Transgender Victoria, about mums becoming dads, transgender parenting and society's reaction to rainbow families. This is a show about dads, but I think by the end of the episode, you'll have an understanding that love is love and that applies to all families. Show love, care and affection as a parent and your kids will reflect that. We'll also be finishing with Dad Joke of the Week, a dadism and dad fashion. The show will be podcast and you can check out all the previous 10 episodes on Facebook, iTunes or sin.org.au. Search Farter Figures and get involved. Last week, the show talked about deciding not to be a dad. There were certainly some engaging guests. Together, we discussed regrets, lifestyle choices, statistics and society's responses to child-free men. I've since learnt it's quite common for famous artists to live child-free lives. So history and our art galleries may have been a bit blander if some prominent artists had parenting duties to worry about and take up all their time. Leonardo da Vinci, Andy Warhol, Jean Burrard and Donatello all didn't procreate but sure did create. 
wonderful art that is. And on last te- on last week's 10th episode, I announced Fata Figures is running a competition to celebrate the show, hitting double figures, and obviously reward all you great listeners out there. Simply review my podcast on iTunes, and you could go in the running to win some great merch. We all know a dad who farts. Heck, the show is called Farter Figures. So tell me what you think of the podcast and win a world's best farter mug. Now, let's get the scoop and broadcast tonight's Dad's Headlines. Your TV program, My Life is Saved. I can make a fresh start. Dad News! Dad News! It's time for Dads in the News. We have a silver lining story to begin Dad News tonight and a lovely tale. 16 years after the 9-11 World Trade Centre terrorist attack in America, two children whose dads died in the attack have got married. Brielle Saracini and Sean McGuire got married on September 9th this year, marking 16 years since the tragic passing of their fathers. The couple first met when they were 12 years old at a summer camp for children who lost a parent during 9-11, and a friendship was born. Brielle's dad was the captain of United Flight 175, the aeroplane that struck the South Tower of the World Trade Centre, and her husband Sean's dad was on that 84th floor of the very same tower when the aeroplane collided with it. This is a true story of love and friendship to overcome the sadness of losing their dads. The proposal is pretty heartwarming too. They were both playing catch in a park overlooking the 9-11 memorial site and Sean threw Brielle the ball with an engagement ring taped to it. The rest is history. I think both their dads would be very happy knowing that their kids have come away from the tragedy as a happy married couple. They both also honoured their dads in the wedding ceremony. And keeping in the land of love, our second dad story is hot off the tabloids and is a celebrity romance. So feel free to put this in the dad, co- dad gossip column, not dad news. Cruise control ditched for foxy romance. That's not my headline, but I like it. The best I could come up with was Holmes cruises to Fox. So what's this about? Well, Katie Holmes, who is Tom Cruise's ex-wife, is rumoured to be dating Jamie Foxx. Who cares? Father Figures cares about this because it outlines how much of a weirdo Tom Cruise is. Apparently, Jamie Foxx and Katie Holmes have been dating since 2013, but just only recently made their first public appearance. It took them four years to go public because Tom Cruise imposed some conditions on his divorce with Katie Holmes. Radar Online reports that Katie Holmes agreed not to publicly date another man for five years after a divorce with Mr. Cruz, and in return he paid her $5.8 million in child support and gave her another $6.2 million for her pockets. She signed a clause in her divorce that prevents her from embarrassing him and not letting any boyfriend near their daughters. Tom Cruise seems like a pretty controlling ex-husband, but hopefully he is a loving dad. Django Verth. Ethan Hunt, 
Interesting. Dad Sports News is coming from the man who bought us Orazio Fantasia and big boy McAvoy. Yes. <laughs> Colourful AFL commentator Brian Taylor has had a little dummy spit about dads bringing their babies on the field for their milestone matches. Lots of players often run out on the ground with their kids to mark the occasion of reaching a certain amount of games. Brian Taylor's rant comes after dad Patrick Dangerfield ran through the banner of his 200th match with his 11-week-old son. Check it out, courtesy of Talking Footy. This is just a little thing. Look, I love babies. Now, <laughs> I was responsible for four babies of my own, and uh, they're all cute, they're all fun. We really love babies, so let's get that. Now, Richo and Jen, of course, just recently had uh, one. Brilliant. Zoe Isabella, congratulations. Danger and Marty, they just had a baby as well. Jack Darling uh, and Courtney, they just had one as well. Everyone's having them. It seems to be trendy. It's happened for years, but... Really young babies at the footy, really young babies on the ground, really young babies being nursed by players who are about to chew each other's heads off, really young babies taken through the banner. Yes, Paddy played his 200th games. Congratulations, Paddy. You are a star. I love you and your baby. But the baby couldn't even see it, maybe couldn't hear. Why, why, why? Paddy could not even warm up as he refused to hand the baby to the officials, instead waiting a while for Marty to come and collect the baby. Then he did his own sprint warm-up by himself. Yes, Jack Darling played his 150th. Oh, Jack, congratulations. <laughs> but a baby banner entrance? <laughs> really? Why? 150. Gee whiz, that's uh, not quite enough. But <laughs> young might remember, surely with OH and they're so strict these days, you spill a drink on the floor, Tim, ten signs are required, the air is evacuated, you don't come back until the SOG have given you the all clear and the babies bashing through a banner amongst all those muscles babies exposed to all that noise babies in the workplace can you now take your baby to work i never realized that if you're a crane driver on top of a multi-story building can you take your baby no if you work in the ice factory can you take your baby no why such young ones that don't remember i understand the kids of 10 or 12 they get a thrill out of it but babies asleep really <laughs> And I know you all agree because, Tim, you wrote that for me. <laughs> Pretty funny stuff. I think I tend to agree with BT on this one, though. I don't see much point in cradling an infant through the banner. However, I do like seeing it when the kids are at an age when they can run onto the field themselves and enjoy the experience. Well, Dad News is done for another week. Some romantic stories coupled with a rant. I think dads make news in wacky and wonderful ways all the time. I'm going to throw to a track, like every Father Figures episode, nothing but dad jams tonight. This song comes from a dad, former Australian of the year and the only Aussie to have a number one record in five consecutive decades. And this notable voice pairs up with one of Australia's first boy bands, which consists of four dads. Made it any clearer to you listeners who I'm going to play? Back in 19... 97, John Farnham and Human Nature produced this pop gem. Before I play it, some interesting dad stuff about the artists. John Farnham's son, Rob Farnham, is following in his dad's footsteps and has signed a deal with Sony. You'd think his last name would have opened doors, but Farnham's eldest son decided not to use his famous last name to get a record deal, going without it in his band Rival Fire. And Human Nature, all the members are family men, and one member is actually a gay dad. Yep, Toby Allen and his husband, actor Darren Weller, are the dads to two young twins, which they had via a surrogate. All five men who sing on this track are dads, and that's lovely. 
John Farnham and Human Nature with Every Time You Cry. Fighter Figures will be discussing Gay Dads next. Unfortunately, I don't have the rights to podcast the music I play on Sid Nation. I guess that just means you'll need to listen live every Wednesday from 7.30pm for all the wonderful dad tracks. Just stream it at sin.org.au or listen on your digital radio. Tuned back to Father Figures on Sin Nation. That track came from Five Dads, Four from Human Nature, and John Farnham singing Every Time You Cry. Let's jump into tonight's topical theme gay dads. With the same sex marriage postal vote happening right now in Australia, I think it's pretty important to discuss same sex fathering on the show. I'm not going to say a whole heap on the topic myself. I think tonight's four guests do a better job of that and they are really interesting and they all have different stories to tell. Of course, everyone is going to have a different opinion because everyone is different, but that doesn't mean everyone shouldn't be equal. According to the Australian Institute of Family Studies, about 11% of gay men in Australia are dads. That can happen through foster parenting, adoption, surrogacy and men having children in a heterosexual heterosexual couple that is actually quite common and it used to be more common men who for whatever reason start a family with a woman only to come out gay later on in life. The 2011 census counted 6,300 children living in same-sex couple families a number which had almost doubled from 10 years earlier. Children in same-sex couple families still only make up one in a thousand of all children in couple families and the vast majority of these children were female same-sex couple families. Accordingly, gay dads are still uncommon in Australia. Only about 4.5% of male same-sex couples have children. However, according to Gay Parents Australia's research, there were about 800,000 gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer and intersex people in Australia who were new parents or planning to become parents soon. I can cite statistics, but they don't really tell us a story. And I think that's what is important, hearing people's stories. 
We will hear two gay dads talk about their parenting journeys later on. For a bit of background into some of the Australian Institute of Family Studies research, I called Dr Deborah Dempsey, who is an Associate Professor at Swinburne University. She's been researching same-sex parenting families for 12 years. Overall, the evidence does not support the view that same-sex parented families are harmful to children, concluding that children in same-sex parented families do as well emotionally, socially and educationally as those in opposite-sex parented families. Have a listen to our discussion about some research and same-sex couples parenting right here in Australia. Obviously, with the same-sex marriage vote happening right now in Australia, people who are making a claim to encourage people to vote no, one of their arguments, I guess, that you hear is that upbringings of children in same-sex couples can be... um, harmful and, and, and not so good for the kids. Does your research challenge this viewpoint? Yeah, well, look, um, this has been a, a burning issue for a number of years for um, people not just in Australia but also in the US, um, like in the, in the United States and, and to a lesser extent in, in Europe in the early, um, in, in the 1970s. You know, gay men and lesbians were losing custody of their children because of their sexuality. So a number of researchers very early on started doing these studies to find out whether or not there were differences between children raised in um, raised by gay couples as opposed to children um, raised by heterosexual couples. Um, I'd have to say that most of the research has been done with lesbian couples, comparing lesbian couples or single women with um, with straight couples. But um, I did a really comprehensive study for the Australian Institute of Family Studies in 2013 and that was based on articles published worldwide about how children are going raised in all kinds of families and we can honestly say that um, children's well-being um, is not related to the sexuality or gender of their parents. It's about um, what happens in the families that they're raised in. So whether or not their parents are loving and caring, um, you know, how how their parents look after them. Those kinds of family processes are much more important than the actual structure of their family and the number and gender of their parents. Mm-hmm. And and I think I was reading if a child has uh, two parents of the same sex. Um, either two dads or two mums, that the, the kids will be less likely to have gender stereotypes? Yeah, um, one of the findings that's really interesting in, in the body of research um, is that children born to lesbian couples tend to be more tolerant or, or more accepting of difference, you know, so they're, they're not as judgmental, they're, they're, they don't discriminate when they meet children um, or other families who are different from themselves. So they're just more open, I think, to different kinds of families and that's that's a factor in how they're raised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah. a really interesting finding. That is one really interesting difference that, that researchers have picked up on and I guess I would argue that that's a positive difference. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree and I, I think it probably makes sense in some ways. Mm. Uh, it's quite mm. logical and... Another thing but just could... to go back to just yep. to go back to the you know it's really interesting that this whole um, same sex marriage debate becomes a debate about you know the well being of children. I mean, in in many ways, when you think about it, 
the whole issue of gay people having children is completely separate from the the whole issue of marriage equality. Um, you know, for a number of years now, lesbians and gay men have been having children, sometimes from previous heterosexual relationships. But in the past few years in Australia, a whole lot of laws have changed that have meant that you know lesbians can freely access donor conception in most states. Same-sex relationships have um, same-sex parenting relationships have have some forms of legal recognition. So people are having children already. The children are here. <laughs> um, this whole marriage equality thing is 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 not about having children. Um, it's it, it it it's not going to change the fact that that these children are already being born. They're being born in increasing numbers, and. Um, I think in many ways we can think about the, the whole issue of, of having children and families is, is quite separate from marriage equality. But do you think that if the uh, if gay marriage is legalised, we'll see more uh, gay people have kids or it, it'll, it'll keep trucking as it is? Yeah, look, I think that's a really interesting question. I mean, if you think about what marriage provides, like symbolically and also practically... Um, it's a it's a sense of stability. It's a sense of security that the relationship is going to keep going in the future. That it has support. That um, there are a whole range of legal entitlements that go along with it. So, I guess some people might feel much more secure about having children if they're married because they feel that there's that extra level of commitment that's there. But at the same time, there are a lot of people I think who will have children anyway, whether or not they're able to get married and we know that that's already happening and um, children these days are raised by lots of heterosexual couples who um, decide that they're not going to get married so you know children are already being born into all kinds of relationship structures and um, um, yeah but I'm not quite sure whether marriage is going to mean that we have a a big explosion of numbers I kind of guess that I don't know. I'm not sure that that necessarily follows. Yeah, but it's an interesting it's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. And and what were people's reactions to the uh, to the study and the research from on, that was published through Australian Institute of Family Studies? Was a lot of people in agreement and happy that it's you know finally you know it's come out like that, or was did it, did it come to a lot of opposition as well? Um, look, I think there are always um, the reason this this body of literature resist, uh, exists is because there are a lot of people who believe very strongly that you need to have a mother and father in a family, and that other sorts of families are wrong. So that's why we have so many studies that are done on you know how children are going when they're raised in various kinds of families, but. It, it seems to me that there's there's no strong evidence that the sexuality of the parent um, has an impact on children's well-being. It's other factors that we talked about before. And even though most of the studies have been done with relatively high-income parents, um, it's still true to say that there, there are, are no particular... Um, you know, harms that that come from just being raised by same-sex parents. But there are a lot of people who will never believe that, even if you provide them with all the evidence in the world, because their beliefs aren't based on logic. Their beliefs are based on 
ideology or deeply held religious convictions about um, homosexuality being wrong or homosexuality being against God's will. So there's only so much you can do with research to change people's points of view. Mm, thank you. And I think that's about all I, I wanted to cover, Deb. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, no, I guess just to reiterate my point that um, gay people will have children whether or not there is marriage equality and um, that these children are already in existence and more of them will be um, coming along and um, a, a just society provides an environment where all children are respected and um, their families are not discriminated against. Some wonderful insight and research from Deborah. Thanks for coming on the show. I think some of her points actually lead nicely into hearing our first gay dad tonight. Commercial surrogacy is illegal in Australia and it's almost impossible for gay men to adopt in Australia as well. So becoming a foster parent is often an easier and more feasible option for gay men wanting to become dads. Our next dad is a foster dad. Hayden came into the studio last week and shared his fascinating story. He's single, gay and a foster dad to three sisters. And what amazes me the most is he's only 22 years old. He certainly has a challenging and different story, but by no means does that affect him being a great dad and role model for his foster children. Have a listen to Hayden. I was about 20 years old at the time, um, and then my partner at the time, we were both doing really well in our jobs, um, and we sort of got to that stage in our relationship we wanted to have kids. Um, I guess the problem with that was we are both obviously gay, um, and we looked at a few options of how we could have kids and I guess I liked the fostering idea because it sort of helps like other kids um, that don't already need a home so um, so yeah went for it yeah <laughs> and then uh, are you no longer with your partner no yeah so did you start the journey together yes we did so we did it together for about eight nine months um, and then we decided um, he decided that it wasn't really for him and I decided that it was. So I made the decision to sort of do it solo and um, I, yeah, took on... At the time I had two kids. They had a sibling that was about one um, and then I took on the third child after I separated from my partner. So that obviously was quite hectic at the time and lots of changes, but, um, yeah, we all adapted pretty well. I know you're quite young, 22. Yeah. So was it... Was it uh, easy to to go through the fostering process or was it more barriers because you were younger and, and being gay, was that harder as well or did it um, make it easier? Surprisingly, it wasn't actually hard at all. Um, they were quite open to it. Um, they treated us pretty fairly and um, gave us a go and treated us pretty much like anyone else that was going through the fostering system and trying to become a foster carer. So I was quite surprised. Um the minimum age to be a foster carer is 21, so I was 20 when I did the training um, and got accredited as soon as I turned 21. So, yeah, it was a pretty interesting journey and, yeah, it went really well. And, and now as a as a single parent, is it is it a lot more challenges being on your own? Um, yes and no. There's things that you obviously... 
that are new and different, but I guess you have your own parenting style and um, I guess you don't clash as much and you sort of got more control over everything and do things how you prefer and um, I guess it creates more time just for the kids. So personally, I prefer it. Um, I know other people probably wouldn't. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess everyone's different. I guess some of the challenges of being a foster parent, is it it because they're you don't have that um, biological connection, I'm not sure, or... Uh... Um, yeah, it has its challenges. I guess I look at my... I, I treat them as my own kids, um, and I hope that they will be my kids and just my kids. Obviously, you know, I've, I've got quite attached to them now, obviously, because I've been with them for so long. Um, but then I guess you're constantly reminded that you're just a foster carer. So it, I guess you've got to remind yourself that, hey... You know, it's it's permanent, but it, it's not permanent, permanent. So you've always got that risk of obviously them going home or to another foster home. You just guess you never know. So it's really hard to sort of, yeah, make permanent plans for the future without having that, I guess, that piece of paper saying that, yeah, they're, they're yours. And do you think they feel the same way about, about you think, treating them as your own kids? Do you think they feel the same way about you're their dad? Yeah, definitely. So obviously the youngest is growing up to just knowing me as dad, being two. Um, seven-year-olds calls me dad as well. Um, the older one, not so much, but that's just her, I guess. She's grown up and she was sort of at that age where she had a dad and a mum and she was quite aware of it. Um, and I guess I'm not trying to force anything, so I sort of just go, well, I'll be called Hayden then. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not pushing, obviously, for her to call me dad. It's just what they're comfortable with. Because you are a, a gay dad that, and when you had the three or the first two kids, you were obviously in, in a relationship. Did Was that challenging for your for the kids to sort of wrap their heads around or they were just happy to have two loving parents? Um yeah, they didn't really look too much into it because I guess they were just happy that they were in a you know safe family home and a loving family rather than opposed to what they've come from. So they were just grateful and happy to obviously not be in the situation they were before. Um, yeah, so I guess they just they sort of joke about it like you know on Father's Day that go oh, I get to make two Father's Day cards you know. So they've never been bullied or harassed or sort of like questioned. I guess it's just different. And I guess people are interested and want to know their story and. Um, who I am, and not only being a foster parent, they're a foster child, but just the fact that they've got, well, obviously used to have two two dads and now a single dad. Um, I guess in the scheme of things, yeah, it's different, but they've never been, it's never been an issue. And so did you always sort of envision the idea of, uh, of wanting to be a dad? Yeah, um, <laughs> I guess if you go back to when I was 18, didn't wasn't even thinking of kids. Um, and it wasn't till yeah, I got to about 20 that I decided. Not all of it was based on, obviously, the scenario being, you know, obviously we owned our own house at the time and, you know, we renovated it. And like I said, we're, you know, obviously doing really well in our jobs. And I guess that was just the next thing um, to do. So I guess the idea didn't come till later. I always visioned being a parent. It wasn't... I, I was, I guess, thinking it was going to be more around my 30s rather than my early 20s, but I, I wouldn't change it. And do you have any advice for any other um, gay people wanting to become dads or any foster parents? Um, and then, I guess, as well, being a single dad. So, yeah. I guess, three categories there. I guess, like, you've got to ask yourself... I guess 
people are probably afraid to do it at first. They think, oh, maybe I can't do it or financially can't do it. But you'd be really surprised what you can achieve on your own or with a partner. Um, being gay, I don't think, stops you from being a parent. I guess in the media at the moment, you can see a lot of people basing around this whole gay marriage thing is, you know, gay people shouldn't raise children. Um, that really makes me angry because obviously you can and I'm a prime example of it. So I guess if you just look at the whole situation and say, well, definitely not. Like, you can raise children. Don't listen to what, obviously, the media is saying and what people's views are. Because, obviously, anyone can be a parent. Sin Media is a community radio station with many volunteers, staff, subscribers and listeners who identify as LGBTIQA+, and we believe in equality. Following the recent High Court decision, it's time to prepare for the upcoming Marriage Equality Postal Survey. It's the only process currently available to us, and we need to be heard. Surveys should be with you no later than September 26. For anyone that does not receive their survey, requests for replacements must be made by October 18 via the ABS website. It is highly recommended that surveys are mailed back to the ABS by October 27 to ensure they receive it in time. If you feel like you need support during this time, there are a number of places you can contact, such as Switchboard, QLife, Headspace and Lifeline. Love is Love, a Sin Media Community Service Announcement. Unfortunately, I don't have the rights to podcast the music I play on Sid Nation. I guess that just means you'll need to listen live every Wednesday from 7.30pm for all the wonderful dad tracks. Just stream it at sin.org.au or listen on your digital radio. Listening to Fata Figures on Sin Nation. That last track was Scissor Sisters with I Don't Feel Like Dancing. The funny thing is, I kind of feel like dancing after hearing that. I played that because the co-lead singer, Anna Matronics, father was gay. He died of AIDS when she was 15 and she said her immersion in the gay culture was a way to feel connected to her dad. 
She often sings in drag as well. She also shares the same birthplace as our next dad on the show. Both are from Portland. This next story is another incredible journey to becoming a dad as a gay man. We just heard from Hayden before about his fostering, but this next dad has a different story. I called Biff uh, in America, in Portland, who, along with his partner, is an adoptive dad to two girls. And recently, his transgender partner gave birth to their own biological kid. This is certainly an exciting experience. Check it out. My name is Biff, and I am a cisgendered man, gay man, and my partner is Tristan, and he is a transgender man, which means that he was born female um, and transitioned to be a man. Uh, So we've been together for almost eight years, and about seven years ago, my niece and nephew ran into a situation where they needed a place to stay. Uh, and if we, if somebody in our family didn't step up to take them, it would mean that they would go into foster care and then eventually up for adoption. So we made the decision to take them. Um, and at that time, they were one years old and three years old. And so we made the decision to take them. And that's sort of how we became parents initially. Um, it was it was really embroiled in a lot of turmoil and chaos because you know their home situation that we took them from was was really messy uh, and abusive and really difficult to deal with and you know in the first the first year probably of being their parents was pretty miserable um nothing to do with them and their their lovely personalities but it was surrounded with a lot of drama and then as uh you know we decided to keep them and we ended up adopting them and finalizing an adoption uh, both of them call us dad. They don't really have memories, a lot of memories from before. Um, and they they think our family is, is pretty normal to them. So then, um, you know, about a year and a half ago, Tristan approached me about having a biological child of our own. Um, Tristan has not transitioned uh, surgically. And so he has all the parts that he n- would need to make a baby. And obviously I have the other half of those parts. <laughs> um, and so we made the decision that we would go ahead and, and try to get pregnant and have a baby that way. And we made that decision because we really wanted a situation that wasn't um, wrought with uncertainty and turmoil. We wanted to have a baby in a, in a fun, peaceful, enjoyable way. So we made the decision to do that, and we've been really public about that decision and our identities and our family. Um, and two months ago, we welcomed Leo into the world, and he's a healthy, beautiful little baby boy. So now there are three kids and two two gay dads, mm. and that is a a mouthful, but that is the <laughs> the story of of who we are and how we came to be that. Yeah, it's 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 quite a quite a good interesting story. You mentioned that it was a planned pregnancy, so uh, that's sort of the avenue uh, as being obviously you sort of probably a bit more abruptly you became adoptive parents, but um, you always sort of thought that that having your kids kids of your own because you could was was the an avenue you'd like to take. Um, I did not ever think about having a biological kids. I mean, growing up as a gay man, you don't ever, 
you, you don't really think about that. You know, the media and society tells you that you are not fit to be a parent. You are not fit to have children. And so you just don't really think about it. And not that I believed that I wasn't fit. It just didn't really come to my mind. And I never thought about it with Tristan until he mentioned it. And so it was like a big, <laughs> you know, a big train heading right towards me all of a sudden. Um, but I mean, but ultimately I decided to go along with it and I, and I don't regret that at all. And and what about in, in real life? Say if you, you know, you and Tristan and when Tristan was pregnant, um, walking down the street, you know, did you feel comfortable in, um, you know, walking around as, as two gay dads and, and you know, a, a transgender man being pregnant? Um, so I, Yes and no. We definitely had to be wise and careful about where we went and sort of how public we were physically. Um, I will say that I don't know how much you or your listeners know about Portland, uh, Oregon here in in the U.S., but Portland is a really progressive city. Um, So there are tons and tons of transgender people here. There are all, all sorts of honestly weird people here. Um, it's not uncommon to walk down the street and just see somebody walking their goat around town. So <laughs> it is like a weird place. And, <laughs> and that served, you know, to our benefit because it meant that we were just like another weird thing <laughs> that people, that people were seeing. Um, we did not get any negative, uh, comments, for, maybe some looks, but no negative comments from people in public. Um, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what have been the biggest challenges in your uh, parenting journey so far? Um, I would say the biggest challenge has been sort of breaking through societal expectations of what parenthood is and what it should be. Um, like the, I don't know if there's, you know, any topic where there are like so many books and videos and experts and ideas and, and ways of thinking then about like parenting and, and your relationship to your child. And everybody wants to tell you like, you should do this or you cannot do that or you must do this. Uh, and the truth is like, none of that is real. It's, it is like your relationship with your own child and you are free to navigate that however you want to navigate that. And if that, if that means that you pick, you know, from this philosophy and this philosophy, what matters in the end is if you're connecting with your child, you're getting to know them and you're helping them become a better person. Uh, so I think the, the, the struggle is always sort of breaking through what people are expecting of me or think that I should do. And, and how do your um, kids feel and how important is it for you to be open with them in sort of discussing uh, that, the situation, I guess? Um, it's, I would say that it's, they, they are definitely of the age where they have opinions and thoughts about all of this. Um, we have been a hundred percent honest with them about their adoption, about our identities and the process of having Leo. Um, and, and they handle that really well. You know, I, I think we, we always think that children are like so easily affected when the truth is children are like really flexible in their thinking. Um, and so it, it, when we were like, we're going to have a baby, they didn't really think anything of that. You know, they just thought like, well, yeah, lots of families have babies and, and this is that. I will say that we have two children who are both really gender normative. So Haley is very girly. Riley is, is very masculine and plays soccer. Um, and Riley wanted to be a little bit more guarded about our situation at school. 
So he didn't want all of his classmates to sort of know all of the details of our lives. <laughs> um, and we respect that. We say that's Riley gets to tell his own story. And, you know, we made sure that Haley didn't go tell all of Riley's friends everything. Uh, however, Haley, like, proudly announces who we are and what we are to everybody as, as much as she can. Um, in fact, there was, like, one weekend where we went to the beach as a family, and I and I woke up a little early with the kids so Tristan could sleep in. We went to get breakfast, and we're at breakfast, and Haley strikes up a conversation with some random woman. And I mean, the woman seemed nice, but Haley says to the woman, uh, I have two gay dads one is transgender and he is pregnant and he's going to have a baby and that was like really shocking (laughs) you know moment where I was like oh my god you can't just like go say that to people um you know we're we're not in Portland we we don't know like the culture here and we and that could really get us in trouble so that just like highlights the difference between Riley and Haley and in how they how they approach it Mm, that's a nice story though um and and it was obviously a healthy pregnancy, but did your partner have to stop taking testosterone to prepare for the birth? Yes. Um, so generally speaking, you cannot, I'm not generally speaking, but you cannot carry a baby to term on testosterone. Uh, we knew that that's a common sort of knowledge thing. And so he stopped taking testosterone months before we started trying. Um, mm-hmm. So he did stop taking it, but you know, the, most of the effects of testosterone are irreversible. So once you grow a beard, the beard will always be there, even if you stop taking testosterone. Your voice gets deeper, it can never get higher again. Um, so he went off testosterone, but physically, he still looked like Tristan. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, can you offer any uh, advice or for you know, gay or trans dads wanting to start a family and or or who've already got kids. Yeah, I mean, I would. I think if you're thinking about starting a family, you definitely should think longer about it. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot you cannot be prepared enough. It is it is like the most serious decision that we can make in our lives. Um, and if you if you don't think that you want to do it, that is okay. Don't do it. Um, but if you do, you know, there's no harm in like taking the time. Uh, 30 is not, is not an old age to have a baby, but neither is 40, neither is 50. If you want to wait till you're 50, wait till you're 50. (laughs) Um, The more wise and mature you are, the better parent you will be. And I obviously had to learn that the hard way. (laughs) Um, And I would say if you do have a family, if you're able and and you have the privilege to, I would say, be public about it and show people because it's important that other people in the world see that love comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes and forms. And, and if we could, you know, sort of break through this barrier of assumptions about gay and transgender people, I mean, hopefully that opens the door to break through lots of other barriers like racism, sexism, um, all sorts of things. Yeah. Generally say that, you know, we, have enjoyed being public. We, our house is really a fun house full of love and lots of laughter and joking with each other. And we've, we feel it's a real privilege to be able to tell people our story and, and reach people all around the world. Yeah. Thank you. And and thanks for sharing it uh, with me and, and then subsequently our listeners tonight. I think it's a, it's a good positive story that, you know, deserves as, as much voice as possible. 
Many thanks to Biff. If you want to follow Biff and his partner Tristan's parenting story online, you can find them at Facebook slash Biff and I. And, and is spelt like the word. According to Medicare, 54 men gave birth to babies last year right here in Australia. Guidelines came into place in 2013 to ensure all government departments and agencies recognise individuals can be identified as a gender other than that assigned at birth. Accordingly, Medicare services such as pregnancy management are now available to men. Our last guest is Sally Goldner, who is the head of Transgender Victoria and in 2015 was LBGTIQ Australian Person of the Year for her work advocating for the rights of transgender people. Transgender Victoria fight for policy reform and education for trans and gender diverse people. Sally Goldner grew up in the 70s and didn't come out till she was 29. In fact, she hadn't even heard the word transgender till she was 29 years old. I asked her about transgender people becoming dads and what changes still need to be made in Australia to support the trans and gender diverse community. Transgender men who, who have the babies, have they then not undergo, undergone surgery and is that, is that what allows them to get pregnant? Yeah, so you know the whole issue of surgery for regardless of how one is assigned at birth is of course an individual thing and so yeah trans men um, you know will not have had a hysterectomy which might interestingly there's a paradox here most don't or a lot don't want to do they don't see it as really necessary regardless of wanting to have children yet interestingly six of Australia's eight states and territories in terms of their birth certificate laws insist that you do and then the irony is most um um, hospitals, which are, we'll say, thinking in gender binary female terms, won't do it because they don't see it as necessary because you're not unhealthy in that sense. So the whole thing is, um, in terms of um, various surgeries, a you know a, a muddle, and of course it should just be down to each individual's um, needs to be themselves. So no, they wouldn't have had hysterectomy, and of course um, very few trans men. At a phallus, it's still not, we'll say, a standardised procedure, and also it's um, very, very costly as well. Mm-hmm. And, and do we also see a lot of, say, mums uh, becoming dads as such um, later in in life if they've had kids and and they realise that they are um, transgender? I guess the the famous case is um, Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, look, um, more and more people are coming out. I mean, it is, you know, on one hand, it's it's awesome that we do see younger people coming out earlier. I mean, I personally, not you know, not that we're talking technical research here, but for myself, I think I knew three out trans and gender diverse people under 25 10 years ago, and of course now dozens. But in terms of older, people are coming out older. They are seeing a little more visibility and positivity, allowing for what we discussed earlier. And they are finally thinking, well, maybe I can be myself before it gets too late. There was a story, I think it was earlier this year, or certainly within the last 12 months, of a trans woman in the UK, a World War II veteran who came, started, who affirmed her identity full time at 90. So we're seeing all sorts of people come out at all ages, and of course, trans women, trans men, and non binary. And 
um, you know, the sort of I think that's an issue as well. That perhaps with people having more um, visibility of the we'll call it the kaleidoscope of gender, people are saying, "Oh, I can be myself. I don't have to." There's no sort of my way or the highway. It's just you you find your own spot, and with more visibility, that sort of helps people connect to where they need to be as well. And do you think society, uh, you know, the majority of society understands the concept that trans men can can give birth? I'd be honest and say I think that sadly a lot of society is still very stuck in binaries. I understand that you know the binaries in particularly. Australia, Western society, if you like, can have very, very deep roots and perhaps people can't quite grasp that. And I think that the only way we can go about it is really education, information, breaking down myths. I mean, AJ Kern's story on Australian story, I think it's coming up, might even be, I think it's a year ago now, just coming up for that, was excellent in that regard that there was this person who um, just wanted to be a parent and so we do need more stories like that. It's um, you know just that break that breaks it down. But I think and I think visibility is critical. A piece of research um, late last year from an international comparison found that um, attitudes to trans people were better when someone had actually met and known a trans person. So you know yes, you know, a TV story isn't quite that, but it's still better than nothing. So I think the more it's not easy to tell one story and it's got to be done safely and all that sort of thing. But if you can, um, you know, um, do it. And there's obviously, you know, varying places to do it. Um, places like Community Radio, like Sin, are an excellent place for people just to tell their stories and, um, you know, never know, you never know whose life it could make a difference to. Does there need to be more support for transgender parents? Oh, look, definitely. It does seem that there's a gap. I mean, we've sort of got niches. There's good support for parents of trans children and family members of trans people at all ages. But I think there does need to be support. There was a group running a few years ago, but um, as happens, it's often down to one or two people and they burnt out a bit. And they're still doing individual support. They just don't meet as a group. And so I think there does need to be more connection. And there probably will be over time as more trans people um, are involved in relationships where they, you know, sort of start their own families, I suppose is how we'd, we'd put that. And I think, it, yeah, so it will probably happen that there'll need to be more. But I think you can never have enough support if you are part of a group that may face any sort of negativity just for being who you are. So I'd like to see more, but um, whether it will um, happen or not, um, you know, it's obviously it comes down to who's available to organise and you know, their energy and all that sort of thing. Thanks, Sally. Transgender Victoria is doing some important work for the LBGTIQ community. If you feel like you need some support at any time, there are a lot of places you can contact, such as Headspace and Lifeline. Furthermore, Rainbow Family is a great Australian resource for support, information, and education for families with LBGTIQ parents or children. You can find Rainbow Family with a simple Google search. And with that, we've heard four guests who all have different backgrounds and stories, but one common theme. And I think it's a pretty important theme. Love is love.
and love is pretty important key to parenting. Regardless of sexual orientation, I think there are so many other more important factors that enable you to be a good and capable parent or dad. I believe offering your kids love, care and affection are the most important parenting ingredients. No matter what the result of the marriage equality plebiscite, gay parents will continue to have kids. They probably do have some slightly unique requirements when it comes to things such as fertility services, maternal health services, family law and estate planning. So let's hope these domains improve and accommodate all different types of families. Parents are parents and love is love. And on that, let's hopefully have a laugh with our final segment. Hey, do you think your dad's funny? No. No? No, no way. Yeah, not really. No. Hey, do you think your dad's funny? No. No, no way. No? No. Not really. (laughs) No. No way. No. 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 Not particularly. (laughs) Does your dad think he's funny? Of course. Yes. Yeah, he really does. Yes, I think he thinks he's hilarious. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Does your dad think he's funny? Yeah, he does. Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah, I reckon. Yep. Doesn't every dad? Yes. Yes. Yes! Is your dad a fashionista? What's that? A fashionista. He loves his fedora. Oh, yes. Aren't they all? He thinks he is. No way. Nah, he dresses lame. Certainly not. No way, Jose. Jeans and joggers every day. A Crocs cool? Hell no. He tries to be. Oh, he thinks he does. Nah. Does your dad say things that annoy you? Every day. Almost every day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, what? Oh, yes, actually, quite regularly. Yeah. Every day. Always. Yes. Uh, Does your dad say things that annoy you? Yeah, quite regularly. Yeah. Yes. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Yes. Every day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's correct. It's time for Dad Joke of the Week, Dad Sayings and Dad Fashion. The intro always gets me revved up for a friendly dig at dads. Before I launch into my answers, there were two dads on tonight, but I have done the unthinkable. I forgot to ask Biff these three important questions. I have sinned. So sorry to Biff that he couldn't share some dad jokes and dad fashion with everyone, but have a listen to Hayden's responses. Hayden, on my show, I um, didn't word you up about these are three questions that every dad on my show gets asked, so okay. um, put you on the spot. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> my first one is a favourite or a go-to dad joke. Oh, I'm look. I do not have any dad jokes. <laughs> I, I cringe when I hear them, so I'm just not a fan. <laughs> any sort of dad fashion you're guilty of? You you looking finely dressed now, <laughs> but I know some dads out there have got some bad fashion sense. Is yeah, there anything that has oh, crept in that the girls the one don't that like? My <laughs> kids cringe over in winter. I'll just rock up in jeans and Ugg boots. Like, I really <laughs> just could not care. It's cold. I'm warm. Yeah. <laughs> they just gotta get over it. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they literally, like, walk 10 metres behind me like, that's not my dad. <laughs> well, Hayden... I can tell you you're not the only dad who has the guilt-free pleasure of wearing Ugg boots out of the home. Father figures 
Uh, loves talking about animals. I've talked about dad seahorses giving birth and a sign language speaking gorilla recently. Tonight, I haven't mentioned any animals, so I'll make up for it here on Dad Joke of the Week. I think these two jokes are designed for young kids, but I think any demographic can get some enjoyment out of them, especially if, like me, your maturity level is capable of dropping whenever you please. Whoops, let's get that theme music to follow me out. There we go. What do you call a blind dinosaur? Do you think he saw us? <laughs> what do you call a blind dinosaur's seeing eye dog? Do you think he saw us, Rex? <gasps> Brilliant. Just when you're giggling or rolling your eyes, boom, the second one hits you and makes you laugh harder or get more disappointed. Either way, disappointment or laughter, a successful dad joke. Tonight's dadism, pretty simple and probably unique to Australian dads. The more bogan the dad, I'd say the more likely this is to be in his repertoire. Boofhead. Yep, dad's way of calling you, a fellow commuter, a sports player, your friend, or anyone for that matter, an idiot. Look at that, boofhead. Don't do that, you boofhead. It doesn't help if you have a big head either. Boofhead is tonight's dadism. On to dad fashion, and I'm surprised it's taken me this long to expose this garment. It's about time I frame this piece of dad wear on Farter Figures. I think I actually mentioned it briefly when I did a little expose on dad sneakers and jeans combo, but tonight we focus just on the jeans. Yes, dad's jeans is tonight's dad fashion. Lots of dads are considered by their kids as supermen, but dad jeans are fashion kryptonite. Pure anti-style. At some point from a man becoming an adult, and having his first child, he announces to the world, he just doesn't give a shit about fashion anymore or what anyone thinks. And the best way to do it, dad jeans. They're not the easiest piece of fashion to explain, especially on radio, but you just know dad jeans when you see them. They are baggy, but not bad boy, bad boy baggy. They are pretty bland, usually a bright blue, hoisted up at an above average height, very straight cut. You just know them when you see them. I will say, all of you out there man enough to wear dad jeans, I salute you. And just like that, another episode of Farter Figures is done. A big thank you to tonight's splendid guests. I really do appreciate everyone who makes the show so interesting, well, for me at least. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in at home. Don't forget to review the podcast on iTunes and get yourself in the running for the competition. You can also stay connected on Facebook. Just search Farter Figures. Next week's show is on dads from different cultures. I'm often saying this is not a political program. Tonight was reasonably political, but guess what? I've got a politician coming on the airways next week. I'll be interviewing dad and young politician Sam Dastiari about his parenting and migration as a child from Iran. It should be a great episode. Hopefully you'll appreciate being asked about his parenting, dad jokes and dad fashion instead of political jargon. I've rarely seen him in anything but a suit, but I'm exciting. Excited to hear if he has some embarrassing dad fashion behind closed doors. Tune in next Wednesday at 7.30pm on Sin Nation to hear that and heaps more. I'll leave you with Gay Dad and one of the best-selling artists of all time, Elton John. Him and his husband, Dave Furnish, have two kids from a surrogate. It's unknown whose sperm was used, but who cares? They're both dads. Elton John with Tiny Dancer. See you next week. And as always, tell your dad, tell your friends, tell your friends' dads, 
and tell your dad's friends. Hi, it's Victor's dad. You've been listening to another episode of Father Figures on Sin Nation. Now she's in 